0: All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Let's begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible said, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Y'all should have jumped up and ran then. That was your sign. The resurrection means you can get up and move. Amen? And that he was seen of Cephas, and then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above five hundred brethren at Uh, 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. For I am least of the apostles, that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly uh, more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Father, we pray that today, God, as we've read your word, that you'd bless it as it would go out preached. Father, we pray for liberty today. Pray, Father, that you'd give us strength to stand. And God, we pray that you would help those that need this word the most. And Father, I pray that you'd reach into the heart of someone this morning, save someone, change a life some, to someone's life, and God make their life so much different. And Father, I pray for your grace on me today and your mercy to be with me. Forgive me where I have failed you, forgive me where I've fallen short of your glory, and thank you for all that you'll give us. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. This morning, I want to talk to you out of verse 10 where it says, But by the grace of God, I am. What I am. I want to talk to you about authenticity. I want to talk to you about being authentic. Brother Jim had been preaching in February on Wednesday nights in our small group meetings. He had been talking about identity. Talking about who you are in Christ. On every time he would teach about that, the Lord would just deal with me about being authentic. He would just deal with me about being who you are, the person that God created you to be. Well, the Apostle Paul was one of the most authentic people you'll ever read about in Scripture. He was very authentic. He was what we call a real person, someone who has a grip on who he is, someone who's not swayed, someone who's not different every time you meet them. Have you ever met those people that one minute they're smiling and one minute later they're not smiling? They're just full of, uh, there's people pointing fingers in here, can you believe that? Have you ever met those kind of people? The Apostle Paul wasn't that kind of person. He he was the kind of person who was always the same. He was just a real person. Paul was a servant of Jesus Christ. But I'm afraid that most people have no idea who they really are because they're not authentic within themselves. When most people begin to say, this is the way God created me. This statement is usually followed by a statement of defense, such as, I know it's not right what I'm doing, but this is how God created me. Yeah, I know that, that, that this thing I do is not really something God approves of, but this is how God created me. Can I tell you something this morning that ought to startle all of us? God didn't create you to be contrary to His Word. If His Word says that it's wrong, God didn't create you that way, Amen. God didn't create you contrary to his word. You say, God created me and I'm a worrier. God didn't make you that way. You say, God created me and I'm a little covetous. God didn't make you that way. You say, God created me and I think homosexuality is okay and I'm a homosexual. God didn't create you that way. God didn't create you to gossip. God didn't create you to drama. God didn't do that. Can I tell you what what does do that? Sin controls you and sin persuades you to be the way you are. It's sin. God didn't create you to be who you are. See, most people have this idea, I am who I am because God created me this way. Well, I think we'll find out today that that's not authentic. In no way, shape, form, or fashion did God want you to be that way. He wants you to be authentic. And in order to be authentic, you've got to be recreated in Christ so you can be conformed unto his image. See, most people just settle for what they are. They settle for how they're born the first time. They've they've had learned behaviors. They've been taught to act certain ways. They've been taught to be certain ways, some good, some bad. And some people just accept the way that they were brought up as if they're being authentic. You're not being authentic if it's a learned behavior. If it's something you was taught that may not be right to do, you may not be authentic within yourself. You may just be doing something you've been taught to do that is really and truly not something that Christ would want to see you do. God wants you to conform to the image of Christ. And when God does that in you, it causes you to have some authentic things in your life life some things that are authentic and number one there's an authentic worship now there's some things we're going to talk about this morning that makes you authentic and number one is authentic worship if you will if Dylan will pull it up Matthew chapter 15 and verse 7 and eight you'll find these words the Lord Jesus said ye hypocrites now I don't know about you but everybody thinks about the Lord Jesus as just being someone who wouldn't speak like that but this is what the Lord Jesus said He said ye hypocrites. Well did Isaiah or Isaiah prophesy of you saying this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips but their heart is far from me. Now I want you to get the picture. The Pharisees knew the Old Testament scripture but they didn't know the God of the Old Testament scriptures. They had no idea how to worship him because they didn't know him. The Lord's not looking for somebody to worship and praise him because they have to. They're not looking for somebody to worship and praise him because it's their rightful duty. The Lord is looking for somebody to worship and praise him because they want to, because they have a desire. The Pharisees just thought it was something they had to do. It's a law to worship God. It's religious to worship, worship God. But they didn't understand what it was about a relationship that caused them to worship Him. And what God wants you to do, He doesn't want you to worship Him out of religious responsibility. He doesn't want want you to worship him because the law says to worship him. He doesn't want you to worship him but for one reason and it's because you love him. The Pharisees had no idea what it was to love God. They couldn't love God. They didn't have what it took to love God. So they would just worship him out of a dead cold religion. But last Sunday night if you were here, you'll notice that we had Rocky Mount Baptist Church here. As we had Rocky Mount Baptist Church here, you realized that their worship was different than our worship. I don't know if any of y'all realized that, did you? Did y'all notice anything different about their worship? Just a little bit different? Maybe just a hair bit different than our worship? Did y'all notice it? I think you'd have to be dead not to. Amen? Their worship was different. And can I tell you what their worship was? It was a little bit extreme on one hand, but it was alive. Amen? And what I have in my heart today is to help you to understand that it's not the way they worship that's right. It's not the way that we worship that's right. It's just authentic worship. It's real worship. It's worship from people who have a heart to know God, who want to worship Him according to spirit and according to truth. And here's what I want you to know. I don't want us to worship like Rocky Mount Baptist Church, but I don't want us to worship like Hillcrest Baptist Church. I want us to worship with an authentic worship. Something that comes from your heart, something that's real, deep down inside of you. It's not about mimicking somebody. It's not about having somebody else to show us how to worship. It's how God teaches you to worship, being authentic. Now, here's what you got to understand. Authentic worship is always led by the Holy Spirit. It's always led by the Holy Spirit. The Lord Jesus said, there's a day coming when these shall worship God, In spirit and truth. He said, I want you to worship in spirit and truth. It's always led by the Spirit of God. It's always God swelling up in you to help you to worship Him. And it's led by the Spirit of God. It's worship that's originated by God. This worship that was originated by God is so authentic that it began all the way back into the Garden of Eden of that little old couple called Adam and Eve. You believe they worshiped God? Oh yeah, they worship God. The Bible said that God came and came down in the cool of the day. It has the thought and mindset of God coming down to warm them and to shine His glory upon them. And what we find is that Adam and Eve was able to worship Him and they worshiped Him then in spirit and full truth. And what God wants us to do is to understand that authentic worship comes from a heart full of God and a heart that's in love with God. It's authentic worship. Now, here's what I want you to know. I want you to understand. It doesn't matter if you're up here swaying and singing a song that I have no idea what you're saying. I felt the Spirit in it. Amen? I, have, I don't care. But I want you to know this. If God moves on you, you're going to do something. You're, there's going to be something about you. And if you got a heart full of God and a heart that's full of love for God there's going to be something about it that's going to make you worship. It's whether you raise your hand, it's whether you cry, it's whether you fall on an altar, whether you shout and run the aisles. What you've got to understand that when you come to God and God does something in you there's an attribute that God puts in you and that's for you to worship Him there's something about it that God does in you that causes you to want to bow at Him and worship Him in spirit and truth. And there's authentic worship you say I don't even know what worship is can I tell you why because most of us don't understand anything about worship all we know is what we've been taught say amen I'm going to get me an amen corner for long say amen Amen. and what we do is we just come to church and worship like we've been raised like we've been taught so if we were raised you don't speak in church (laughs) guess what you don't speak in church If you were raised, you don't clap in church. Guess what? You don't clap in church. If you were raised that you don't shout in church, well, you're certainly not going to shout in church. If you're raised where you don't run the aisles at church, you're not going to run the aisles at church. If you're raised where you don't come to an altar, you're not going to come to an altar in church. Ever how you were brought up, I promise you, is going to interfere with what God wants you to do and how He wants you to worship Him. Because God wants your worship to be authentic. He wants it to be so real that it may be you doing the only thing that you do. It may be something totally ironic to what everybody else thinks you ought to be doing. It may be something so outrageous and so weird that you may be down at the graveyard preaching over some bones and trying to get them to come to life. Can I tell you what I'm trying to say this morning? Is your worship ought to be so authentic that God puts on you to do things that normal people don't do. Because, see, this is what happens. When most people walk into a church, it doesn't look any different than anywhere else they go. Am I right? If you just sit there, I mean, Lord, have mercy, I got to get me a pumping machine to get you to say amen or hallelujah. Are y'all even here with me this morning? So, what we find is people come to church and they sit in the service. And they don't find it any different than going to the restaurant and watching people just carry on conversations back and forth and watch their Facebook status. Amen. man! I think some people forget that I can see from up here. That's right. Authentic worship is about having your heart sold out to God. You say, you don't know what I got up with this morning, preacher. <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. I would love to roll a list out in front of you. I would love to show you what I woke up with this morning. I would love to just show you what some of the other people woke up with this morning. But they purposed in their heart like Daniel to say, I will not worship my problem. I will worship the God of my problem. Amen? I will worship the God who's bigger than my problem. I'm not going to come in with everything on my mind. Could you imagine having a pastor who come in and looks sold up like he's been eating briars all night and just sat over here and said, I really ain't got nothing for you. I had a bad day yesterday. And last night and this morning, it just really was bad, Brother Ray. So I'm not going to be able to help you this morning. Can you do it? <laughs> But see, that's how some people are. Some people are so controlled by their emotions that they don't have any authentic worship about them whatsoever. Can I tell you something? You may feel sick this morning. You've got to worship God anyway. You may have had a problem yesterday. You've got to get past it and worship God anyway. Because He's God. And God's worthy to be worshipped this morning. And you need an authentic worship that just doesn't come from your lips. It doesn't just come from your mouth. But it comes from deep down within your heart. Something God has put in there. I can't help but to worship Him. Now I know that Jesus made this statement. He said, He that forgiveth much, what? loveth much so some people are going to love him more I'm just going to be honest with you some people love him more because they've been forgiven more some of you ain't done enough to be forgiven enough to love him enough amen but I've been I've done enough that God's forgiven me of those things and it caused me to love him more than the average person and I can't help it I'll be honest with you if I hadn't embarrassed my church I'd have probably done some things last Sunday night that would have embarrassed all of y'all but can I tell you something It's all because of what Jesus did for me at the cross. You know what happens in worship? You know what happens to praise teams? I'm just going to get real right here. You know what happens to praise teams and choirs? And you know what happens to people when they go to other churches or you bring other churches in? This is what they say. Man, I wish we had what they brought. But you know what they said? I wish we had what y'all got. You know why? Because you get used to it. You know why? Because they can't sing 4,393 songs. Say amen. I mean, ain't but so many of mine can learn. Ain't but so much practice they can put into it. I mean, if they got 30 or 40 songs and you can't find one of them that'll stir your heart, there's nothing wrong with the songs. There's nothing wrong with the singer. It's got to be you. But you know what happens? People go somewhere else and they say, boy, they're alive. Boy, they got it going on over there. Six months later, man, I went to this other church and they're alive. They got it going on over there. Six months later, I went to another church and they're alive and they got it all going on. You know what happens? You get used to the worship and become numb to the things of God. You just become numb, completely numb. It doesn't affect you. It doesn't bother you. But can I tell you something? Jesus said, if you'll abide in me, I'll abide in you. And we too will show you something. He said, I'll bring you to a place you've never experienced. And worship is one of those things. The Lord Jesus worshiped God. The Spirit of God teaches us to worship God. He's in you bubbling up that you're going to worship Him. And authentic worship comes from the heart. But not only an authentic worship, say amen, move on preacher, but an authentic walk. Romans 13 and 13 through 14 says this. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. There's an honest, authentic walk. Notice he said for us to walk honestly. To walk honestly. What does that mean? It's an authentic walk. This authentic walk, you have to realize there's two ways to walk in life. The One way is the fleshly walk. You know what a fleshly walk is? It consists of your own will. It's your will. It's what you want in life. It's your desires. It's the desires of your own heart. It's those things that you constantly are battling to get, things that God may not want you to get, and things that you're trying not to do but you find yourself doing. It's those fleshly desires. Lust, greed drunkenness, all of these fleshly desires. There's a way to walk, and there's there's actually two ways to walk, and one of them is a walk that is controlled by our fleshly nature, which is the desire to do the opposite of what God wants for your life. It's always the opposite of what God wants. See, so many people don't gather this information because an authentic walk is not going to be contrary to the Word of God. You say, I am who I am, but if you are who you are, and what you're doing and walking into is opposite of what God says not to do, then I promise you this, or what God says to do, then I promise you this, there's something wrong and it's not an authentic walk. Because an authentic walk doesn't walk in the flesh, it walks in the Spirit of God. See, everything about the Christian life is not mechanical. And most people have the idea, Brother Ray, that it's just a mechanical thing. It's something I do. If I can set out my rules, if I can set out my regulations, if I can set out my everyday appointments of one through 10 to be a Christian, then I can make it, but that's not what's going to help you. It's not a walk that, that, like that that's going to help you. It's a genuine walk. It's an authentic walk, and it is a walk that is not led by the flesh, but it is led by the Spirit of God because if we're not careful... If we're not careful, I promise you, I promise you, you'll walk more in the flesh than you ever will in the Spirit. You'll walk in the flesh all the time. And walking in the flesh is not you being really who you are. Because if you've been born again, if you've been born again, then I promise you this, God doesn't want you to walk like you used to walk. He doesn't want you to walk in the places you used to walk. He doesn't want you to live like you used to live. He wants you to live by faith. He wants you to live not by sight. He wants you to live with victory. He wants you to live with a conquering type spirit. He wants you to live with a, a mindset that you're going to oh be an overcomer. But when we walk, we need an authentic walk that's led by the Spirit. And walking in the Spirit is what you need. But not only an authentic walk and an authentic worship but an authentic work. In 1 Corinthians 15 and 10, the Bible says this, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed on me was not in vain. Now watch this phrase, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Now get that. Paul said, I labored more abundantly than they all. <laughs> Man. Man. Now, if somebody stood up this morning and said, I just got a few things I'd like to say. Number one, I want to say I love the Lord because if you're a good Baptist and you testify, you've got to start that way. I just want to say I love the Lord this morning. And I want everybody to know that I've done more work than anybody in this church. (laughs) I want everybody to know that I've labored far above and beyond anybody else's labor. How would you feel if somebody said that? How would you feel if, if Cody stood up this morning or if, if, if Dylan stood up in the sound room and said, I want everybody to know that I love the Lord and I've done more than anybody else has ever done in this church? How would you feel? First of all, you'd say, well, that little self-righteous joker. He done put on his self-righteous shoes this morning, came to church, and boy, he wants everybody to know who he is. He wants everybody to know what he done. Well, look what Paul said. Paul said, I labor more abundantly than they all. You know what Paul said? He said, I've done more work than all of them. He didn't say, I've done more work than Peter. Now, when you read the context, he's talking about being an apostle. He's talking about being an apostle. He said in verse 9, I am the least of the apostles. And by, by the time he gets to verse 10, he's talking about the grace of God. He has made him what he is. And he says this, Carl. He said, but I've done more than they all. He didn't say, I've done more than Peter. He didn't say, i done more than Mark. He didn't say, I've done more than Matthew. He said, I've done more than every single one of them put together. Man, you're talking about a man who had an authentic work. You're talking about a man that stood up and said that in the Baptist church at Hillcrest. Oh, man. Everybody say, that guy needs to sit down and shut up who he thinks he is. But that ain't really what he said. Because watch what he says. He said, but I labored more abundantly than they all What's the next phrase? Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. The grace of God. Do you understand why Paul was able to do everything he'd done? It was one reason. It was one reason only, and it was because of the grace of God. Now, see, some people's got all these excuses. Paul wasn't a guy of excuses. Paul could have named a number of excuses. You realize that Paul talked about being stoned, he talked about being beaten, he talked about being in prison, he talked about being shipwrecked, he talked about being around false brethren, but Paul never used any of those things as an excuse to work for God. Paul said, I've got to continue on. He said, I've got to remain steadfast, always abounding in what? The work of the Lord. He said, I've got to do this. You say, but I'm tired. <laughs> say amen. Some of y'all tired on the front and back and both sides, amen? I mean, you wore out. I understand that. But what you have to understand is even though the Apostle Paul could have made a million excuses, he never made any excuses. And a matter of fact, he had such an authentic work that was moved by the Holy Spirit of God. I think you have to understand that Paul's not bragging about himself. He's bragging and boasting about the grace of God. He said, yeah, I've done more than they are. He said you could combine all their work together and I've done more than all them have done. He said but yet it wasn't I that did it. He said it was the grace of God that was in me. Can I tell you something? The grace of God is so authentic in your life that it can strengthen you as well as save you. Listen to Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. He said but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken Your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. You say, My body's old and it's wore out. You say, I've done made it to the 40s. Man. You say, I've done made it to the 50s. I've done made it to the 60s. I've done made it to the 70s. Brother Ray, go like this. (sighs) Don't that feel good, Brother Ray? It just feels good to breathe, don't it? It feels good and I understand that one of these days these old bodies are going to wear out but you'd have never told the apostle Paul his body was wore out. Oh no, because to do that would have been to belittle the spirit of God that dwelled in him. Because notice what he said. He said the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead that dwells in you he said, it's the same spirit that's able to quicken your mortal body. It's able to raise you up and help you to do the work that God has called you to do. Do you know why people make excuses? It's because they just don't want to do it. My foot hurts. My leg hurts. My nose hurts. My eyes water. My hair's falling out. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's too wet outside. The sun's too bright. Lord, how mercy. Can I tell you? You need an authentic work. And let me tell you what this old preacher's doing. Y'all still good this morning? Let me tell you what the old preacher's doing. Jesus said, look unto the fields, they're white unto harvest. Is that not what he said? He said, but the laborers are what? Few. He didn't say give up, move on. He said, pray unto the Lord of the harvest. That he what? Send laborers. They sin laborers. You know what I'm doing? I've been praying, God, we need a resurrection at the church. I mean, we need a resurrection not from the dead of salvation, not from the dead of sin, but we need a resurrection from these old mortal bodies that people think they just can't do nothing. Got the case of the do-nothings. The favorite song is, I shall not be, I shall not be moved I shall not be, I shall not be moved upon this pew. I will sit the rest of my life. Y'all know it's right. Amen. And what we have to understand is that God's able to quicken your mortal body. You don't believe me? There's some people in here that I could prove that to you. I could prove that God's able to do this. He's able to raise your body up and make you feel young again. But can I tell you something? The same God that you believed in to save you, it's got to be the same one you believe in to help that body. Now, I had prayed about this message for about a week or so. And Brother Jim made mention Wednesday night. He said that God just took his body and helped him as he began to exercise and be in diet. And can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? You're really going to have to understand. Now, I'm finna get down to where rubber meets the road. You got to understand that God can do anything for you. But sometimes He wants you to put first foot forward. I'm going to give y'all a little advice. If y'all would cut out that gym membership, trust me, ride up to 2920 Victory Road and tote rocks for about two weeks. We literally dug up 5,000 rocks. And all of them, you, you can't scoop them up with a tractor. you got to them. they rocks this big, I told. We dug up a rock, Miss Reba. You're going to think I'm lying to you. It's almost as big as your car. i got pictures of it. I know. That's what I thought. I thought, that can't be a real rock. That rock's huge. But you know what you learn? Has God has made your body with the ability to work. How many of y'all like to sweat? See, that's what's wrong with you. That's what's wrong with you. Let, let me tell you something. If you would get out, you know how, oh God, this thing's getting bigger than I ever thought it was. You know how your body gets rid of toxins? Three different ways. You know two of them, the other one's sweating. Amen? Get out and Sweat. Sweat a little bit. Get it out of you. Go outside and do some work. Go out there and do what you're hiring other people to do. Get out there and do what God has created you to do is work. And when you're in the middle of it, say, God, put something on my heart to do for you, not just myself. And get you an authentic work that God can do in you and you only. It's authentic work. It's something that God can do in you. Some people ask me all the time, how do you carry on and do the things you do? And how do you work so late? And how do you work six and seven days a week? How do you carry on? I need four days just to get ready to go to work next week. Can I tell you something? There's a secret in the Bible. It's called the Holy Ghost of God. There's another secret that's within you. I will do what I need to do. And you get up and you move. You do what you have to do. And God has told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. All the world. I don't know about you, I don't want to go to Africa. I just don't want to go. Jason, if God puts it on my heart to go to Africa, I'm gonna pray that He makes you go with me. (laughs) I'm just telling you, I just don't wanna go. I don't I won't go right here. I won't be on Lagrange, Georgia. My wife was praying for us to go to the mountains one time. Now she's praying for us to go to the beach. Brother S, she got talking about here a while back. We could go to Hawaii and be missionaries. I don't want to go down there. I want to go to LaGrange, Georgia. You know why? Because there's something about the people around here that I have a heart for. But if you think you're just going to show up to church and all of them just crowd in here and get saved, ain't going to happen. You're going to have to labor. You're going to have to work. You're going to have to do what Paul did. You say, but there's missionaries and evangelists. Yeah. There sure is, there sure is, missionaries and evangelists. And can I tell you something? We're part of that group. We're very much a part of that one group to go out and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, an authentic work, an authentic work that's so real that nobody can get the glory out of it but God himself. But God himself, that's it. Nobody else. You say, I want to be real, preacher. Get you an authentic worship. Authentic. Say, like God, teach me to worship you. Get you an authentic, I mean so authentic of a work that you can't give anybody any glory, especially yourself, but God. And then get you, not only that, get you an authentic weeping. Authentic weeping. Can I tell you something? You can have an authentic walk. You can have an authentic worship. You can have an authentic work. But it only comes through an authentic weeping. That's just the way it comes. say, so what do you mean? Well, in Psalm 51 verse 17 it says this. The sacrifices of God are of a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God. Thou wilt not. Despise. Over the years, how many of y'all have been in church for years? Over the years, how many people have you seen come to an altar, cry, weep? I've seen buckoos of them. But but there was something about it that they didn't understand. There was something about this altar that they did not understand. They didn't understand that this altar is not just a place to cry, that this altar is a place of this altar is a place of sacrifice and offering. It's a place of offering. It's not you sacrificing yourself, so to speak, but it's you weeping your way to Jesus who sacrificed himself for you. And when you weep your way to Jesus, I promise you there's a few things that takes place in your life. When you weep your way to Jesus, there's a few things that's going to change in your life. Number one, he makes a difference in your life. They sang that song, I want to be different. I want to be different. You want to be different? Come to Jesus. He'll make you different. I promise you. He's never touched anybody that wasn't different after he touched them. He never was around anybody that wasn't different after he touched them. Jesus makes a difference in everyone's life. Not only can he make a difference in your life, but he miraculously delivers you from sin. Now now listen, everybody's got their own opinion about what the Bible teaches about sin and about being saved. But I want to tell you something. The Bible said, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. The Bible teaches that when a man gets saved, he's delivered from his sin. How would you feel this morning if I came in here and I said, Lord, God saved me. He called me to preach. I'm in service for the Lord. I still got a little problem with some things. You know, like I still hang out at bars on Friday night and I still party with the guys and we still get drunk about four nights a week. But boy, God sure has done a good work in my life. Yeah, I don't think that's the way it goes. Because see, when you meet Jesus and there is a authentic weeping coming to him that's real, it's it's something that you didn't just make a profession, but you made a possession. It's something that you said, God, I need you. And God says, I want you. And you come to God and God makes a difference in your life and then He miraculously delivers you from sin. He does that. He's able to do that. He's able to heal you, heal you from the inside out. And He makes you then authentic. Because First Peter chapter 2 and verse 10 says this, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. We find that the Lord Jesus has done such a great work that he's able to draw us out of the darkness into his marvelous light. He's able to make us a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a peculiar people. You know what it is to be a peculiar people? It means to be special. It means to be authentic. It means to be real. And the only way that you're ever going to be a real person, a real authentic person, is to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, prove it to me. Was not Nicodemus a real person when he walked up to Jesus? Oh yeah, he was a living, breathing soul. But this is what the Lord Jesus looked at him and said to him, Carl. He said, you must be what? Born again. He said, Nicodemus, you don't understand what I'm telling you. He said, but you've got to be born again. He said, you may have a real religion. You may have a real rules and a, and a real set of laws. But can I tell you something? Nicodemus, you don't know the real me. And Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. And Nicodemus said, how can I enter the second time into a mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, it's not about that. It's about being born of the Spirit. And being born of the Spirit causes regeneration in your life. And when God regenerates you, He changes you. It makes a difference in you. He delivers you from sin. And God does a work to make you special. You say, I'm just who God created me. If you've never been born again, you're not. You are not what God created you to be. You say, what? No. If you've never been born again, you're not what God created you to be. That's why he has to recreate you. That's why God says you must be born again. He said, who are you born from, your mother? He said, it's in the image of me, but it's not me. He said, that's not me. He said, you look like Jesus. You had two arms, two feet. You had, you had two legs. You had two ears. You had eyes. He said, you look like Jesus. And there was a certain amount of image of, you that was in, uh, the, of, of me that was in you, but it's not me. And the only way that you can really be me is that you be born again. And being born again puts my spirit inside of you and my spirit dwells in you. And when my spirit dwells in you, you've been born again. And because of that now you can be who I want you to be, which is authentic. Because you can't be you until you've been recreated. And God does that work. As Chelsea comes this morning, let me ask you something. Are you battling this morning trying to find out who you are? Years ago, I was probably saved about three years. And I was struggling. And to be honest with you, I kind of struggled my whole life. I kind of struggled. Jason, I struggled because in school, I always felt like I had to, I I couldn't be me. I had to be somebody else. I always felt like I had to put on. Had to be a tough guy. Had to be something I wouldn't. I got saved and. For about two or three years there. I kind of struggled with. Who I was in Christ. Was I accepted. Had I really been born again. Because you know after you get saved. You're not altogether perfect. And I battled with that. Has God really accepted me. And then. One day. One day I began to. Read the Bible. And I just began to search it out for who I am. And in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 6, it said this. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us. Made us. Made us. I stopped right there for a few minutes. And I said, well, God made me. I know my mother had me, but God made me. It was God's doings. He's behind life. And then I got to thinking, wait a minute. It's a little deeper than that because, Brother Ray, I've been remade. And then I, I, I read on. Wherein he hath made us accepted. Accepted. And for all those years battling with being accepted or not, whether it be in school, whether it be in church, whether it be with the Lord, Mr. Paul, for the first time in my life, that word accepted, it went to my heart. And because it went to my heart, Jamie, I realized that I am who I am after being born again. By the grace of God. And because of that, I've been made accepted. But not just anywhere accepted. But the Bible said that I've been accepted in the beloved. That word beloved is a little deeper than the word love. It goes so far deep that it tells me that I've been accepted into the fellowship of God. I've been been accepted into the love of Jesus Christ. And I've been accepted so much that I've been accepted to the point that not only am I saved, but I'm an heir and joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm a son of God. (laughs) Just like Jesus. Being conformed to His image. And because of all that, I'm authentically, Me. Because God is making in me what He wants out of me. God has got me on the potter's wheel and He's doing things for me that I can't do for myself, and He'll do those things for you, changing your life from day to day to day to day. Changing you, making you authentic, making you real. But in order to get that full response, You've got to accept Him. He accepts you. Do you accept Him as Lord and Savior of your life? As you stand this morning, as they sing, maybe you just need to find out who you are today. Be authentic. Be real. Y'all go ahead.
1: but through you the cross still says i'm worth it so take this beating in my heart and come and finish what you started when they see me let them see you different i want to Bye.
0: Thank y'all. You can be seated for just a moment. Just a moment. I appreciate you this morning. Appreciate you being attentive. Appreciate you listening. I want you to fill out your card. Put it in the box if you have. We're going to pray for you. We might get around to you uh, March 2021. We're doing one a week. Spend a lot of time in prayer on one family. One person. Whatever needs to be done. God knows. But I want you to get your name and put it in this box. Then also, um, be back here tonight at 6 o'clock. And I want you to pray today. God, help me to worship you. Help me that my worship can be outward, not just inward. Help me, Lord, that my worship, not just to be seen, but can be seen of others. Because you realize that worshiping Jesus is a sign that he's alive and well. And he is this morning. He's alive and well. Seated at the right hand of the Father. A resurrected God. Ready for you just to come before him. Full worship. Listen. Go have a great day. Come back tonight at 6 o'clock if you can. If you come into the shower today, bring me plenty of money, and we'll give to Cheyenne and Cody what they can have. She ain't married yet, so what she's got is still mine, ain't it? Renee? She won't ever agree with me. Listen, I want you to go have a great day, all right?